are listening to the Green Industry Perspectives podcast presented by Single Ops, a podcast created for green industry professionals looking for best practices, tactics, and tips in running their tree care or landscape business. Welcome back to another episode of Green Industry Perspectives as we wrap up season nine here. Uh, I'm Jay Worth and uh, so excited to have with me today, Scott Kalinius. Um, he's the CEO of Forever Green Landscape Services down in Florida. Scott, how are you doing today? I am doing wonderful today, Jay. How are you doing? Uh, if I had a tail, it would be wagging, one of my good friends says. All right. <laughs> Sounds good. It's a lovely, beautiful day here in South Florida. And, um, you know, I know the rest of the country is getting some bad storms and it's, uh, you know, 75 and sunny here. Yeah. Yeah. So for full disclosure, for those who are, are listening to this, uh, this was recorded in early March. So by the time by the time uh, you hear this, probably it won't be 75. It'll be a lot warmer down where you're at, Scott. It will be a lot warmer than that. Jim. That's <laughs> and everybody else will be right in the thick of spring. So, um, yeah, no, it's great to have you on the show. Uh, Scott, um, we open every episode the same way just to provide some immediate value to our listeners so they know what they're getting into uh, with this episode. In your opinion, what are kind of the top three maybe common threads that you see in successful green industry companies? Oh, absolutely, Jay. So I think the number one is you got to have core values to lead your company. It's great to have those values. Um, investing in personal and professional coaching, you know, and having a winning mindset is very, very important. And supporting the frontline team, no matter what, you know, without them, you wouldn't have any success in this industry. I love and, those uh, answers. Yeah. I could. I can't wait to dive into them. I saw this and uh, I was really excited. So, um, if you would um, just give the audience a sense of how you got into the industry, um, talk a little bit about Forever Green, what you guys do, um, the services that you focus on, all those things. Yeah, absolutely. So um, I've been in the industry well over thirty years. Uh, you know, I honestly I started like most. You know, I don't know. Everyone likes to talk about age you know i mowed my first yard when i was eight years old with the montgomery ward lawnmower and i got eight bucks you know <laughs> was i hooked then i don't know not necessarily i really when i was really young i wanted to be a farmer um but i later realized that that wasn't exactly the greatest career um i did love my time on the farms but it wasn't you know it's my family's background it wasn't exactly where i wanted to spend my time so then you know i kind of moved along with life and i started pushing lawnmowers around the streets of my parents homes and you know built up a nice little business all through high school i think we had maybe 300 to 300 accounts maybe more i live in an affluent area where i went to school and at the time the early 90s was happening uh, really the late 80s from 84 on florida just exploded um in growth everybody was moving here Country clubs were popping up. Every community was like a community with a golf course, right? Um, now that trend's actually reversing a little bit. Um, from there, I kind of just kept building and building and building. And then I started to get myself more into like a 50-50 mix of like residential and commercial. Um, one of my clients, my early clients, not realizing at the time, um, he was a property manager for a really large management company, like a a Fortune 500 management company. They took care of all these huge buildings all over the place. I did not know that at the time. And um, one day he calls me up and he says, hey, I have this building and it's in really bad shape and it's a class A office space and I think you're the person to fix it. So I said, okay, um, 
well, why do you think that? And he's like, you just have heart and determination and nobody can figure it out. And I'm like, I'm literally like 20 years old. And I'm 20 years old. I don't know what I'm doing. He introduces me to this building manager and it's like, off I go, right? So I started to see the idea of doing the commercial stuff, but I still, I didn't really get all into that. You know, I'm still doing residential and so on and so forth. And, you know, just over the years, I keep progressing and progressing and progressing. 10 years ago or so, we made a decision that we weren't going to do any more residential work, but we had to figure out how does that look like? You know what I mean? And it's not it's not on and off, you know, it's, you have to make the decision and then you got to roll out of those services. You know, um, it was tough time during 2008 and into the recession to be working for a lot of HOAs and it kind of really solidified my time then to really get out of the residential market completely just because of ROIs and just the market wasn't really good, got into commercial stuff. And so for the last 10 years solid, it's been nothing but HOAs and, you know, we don't do anything other than that. And that's where we are today uh, for Evergreen currently. Last year, we did about two and a half million. We have anywhere from 35 to say 50 people. Um, you know, we're static about 40 all the time, plus or minus with the summer growth. Um, I do not like to ramp up in the summer, which is one thing a lot of companies do. They like to ramp up, ramp down. I don't like that. I think it's hard to build front line if that's one of my values. I don't know how I'm supposed to build team continuity and moving forward. So that kind of fast forwards us to today. I love it. And for those who aren't familiar, because um, my parents actually live in Southwood. They live in Boca. So they live very close to where yeah. they're at. So, um, and that's where I grew up, Jay. That's okay, yeah, up. yeah. <clears throat> for those who are listening, if you're not familiar literally just about every development down there. There's very, um, almost everything's an HOA. I mean, like, I don't know that there's a ton, uh, it, that's, that business model makes a lot of sense for where you're at because there's not a lot of residential work where people say, Oh yeah. Like individuals have somebody mow their lawn or have somebody work on their landscaping right. or whatever. It's almost all it's probably 80, community. 20 J I would say 80% yeah. HOA. 20% residential privately owned houses. Now they own them within the community, but a lot of communities do common maintenance as we call it. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So that makes just a ton of sense to me for the part of the country that you're in. Um, so yeah, thanks so much for, for giving us that background and um, that, that all makes a lot of sense to me. And I'm, and I'm really excited to dive into these topics. The first one you talked about was um, having core values to lead your company. And it, I do hear this a lot as we interview people on the show, um, and I I couldn't agree any more strongly with it. In your opinion, from your perspective, why is having core values so critical to business? Well, I personally feel like I, from I mean, I'm the full transparency. You know, I didn't leave like that for my entire existence of the business you know i was a micromanager and mm. i was on top of my team too much and i realized that like i wasn't really growing leaders you know i was growing wow. people that could do, do things but they couldn't think on their own and they would make a lot of calls to me and then i started realizing that i'm coming down on them for mistakes and certain things and i started to realize well do i hold self to these standards do you know what i'm saying do i do yeah. this you know so and that was like kind of eye-opening for me. So, you know, I've gone on, you know, a health journey. And then when I went on my health journey, I kind of started thinking about values. You know, do I want to take care of myself? Do I get up before the sun? Do I work out every day? Do I do all these things? And I'm coming at you and it's a hundred degrees outside and you didn't string trim a backyard and I'm mad about it. It's like, well, you're going to make a mistake. But did I, you know, did we, did we, 
have any values did we talk about it right and it's important not just to have them on the wall right like i have them written down i have them in my phone you know my team has a general idea of what all these mean right but the thing is is that i use them as examples with them and when we're walking around privately and go hey you know what today you guys took action daily that's one of our core values right so the thing is is that they went out you know, and then underneath these things, you have to have bullet points. It's very important. You don't just have a value because really saying, well, I refuse to be average. Okay, well, what does that mean? Right. So like you have to talk about that. In our case, it's like we hold ourselves to the highest of standards. We are coachable. We get 1% better every day. Right. We, we outproduce our competition. Okay. So for me, if I go talk to my teams, you know, I don't want them to not do a service not be efficient. But what I do notice is when they start working in these fashions with these values, our productivity goes up, our turnover goes down, the people that we hire are better, right? Because now you have values, you know, sometimes these values are maybe written down. And sometimes Jay, it's just a conversation with somebody and say, Hey, man, you know, are you, are you walking the right path in life? And if not, you know, we need to talk about that. And how do we how do we how do we turn that around? But if you don't lead with those values, you know, if you go out drinking every weekend, how are you supposed to tell your team, hey, listen, I think you shouldn't drink every weekend? How do you tell them that? It's hard. So it's so about it's kind of where I'm at. Yeah. So I don't want to put words in your mouth. It's is it more it's like about um leadership, but it's also about um value alignment, like communicating the values to your team. It's not just like, hey, we're gonna put these on the wall. Um, right. And tell our customers, you know, it's not just customer facing. This is what we stand for. But it's, you know, as we go through our day um, and examples of these pop up, like, let's reinforce that. So that way they know the direction I want them to go and they understand they're more likely to to be able to act independently without having to come to you for every single thing. Is that fair? Correct. Correct. Like a lot of things, Jay, you know, I mean, we work in an industry where for us, we are around a lot of people we're around a lot of people okay and you know it there's nothing more upsetting to me to see people do things like run a blower when a family or someone's out walking as someone who goes out walking yeah. okay or see um you know a crew working at the pool at 12 o'clock in the afternoon and it's full of kids and families and everything yep. else it's upsetting to me that's not being that's not being above average right that's not improving your community that's not taking action right you know and understanding let me just use that let's back up for a second we have some communities where actually they want you to work at the pool from noon to this because it's too hot and they don't go so some of my yeah. senior pools the, the morning do not go there Right. So you have to learn, but you can lead with that subject, you know, picking up palm fronds, you know, there's a list of stuff, you know, I think a lot of owners and listen, I don't want to, I, I run my own ship. I have my own issues, you know, my own things to work on inter you know, internally and externally. So I just feel like once we started putting values in, we hired better, we fired better, we got people to buy in, they understood what it was. And you can use these types of things in real life examples. They're not stuff that's on a wall somewhere that says, you know, we provide excellency. Well, what is excellency? You know, I don't know what that is. You know, I can't, I have to break that down to somebody, you know, as a crew yes. member, 
to me, right, being above average, Jay, and improving things is to be like, they pulled in all the palm fronds. Maybe they pulled in the trash can. They picked up the trash. They were nice when a lady walked by with their young child on the way to the pool in a stroller. You know, those kind of things mean way more to me than whether we got an extra hour shaved off of our time because ultimately we yeah. will get that extra hour or two or three shaved off and they're proud and happy. And, you know, I think, and again, correct me if I'm wrong, cause I had this experience um, and I've written about this and I've talked about this before um, and other podcasts, but like I had an experience where uh, I started a job, the owner sat down with me and, and just sit, went through the core values and said, Hey, do you have a problem with any of these? And I said, no, these are great. I'm in alignment. <clears throat> the problem was there was no practical example. So when it came time for my review, like, so the example here, one of the, one of the values was positivity. I'm generally a pretty okay. positive person. Anybody that knows me is, knows I'm a positive person. Um, I process my frustrations. And like when I'm working through things, I do that verbally though. And when I got my review, I got dinged pretty hard because they, um, he told me that all my my coworkers perceived me as negative because the the practical application of that value was that we don't verbalize negativity, but no one explained that to me. Right. right. Well, what so it sounds that? like what you're doing is, is you're giving practical examples. Like here's the value. And then here's how you live that out. Right. This is what it looks like to, to exemplify this value day to day. Absolutely, Jay. And it depends on the position within the company. That's another thing you have to, you can't go to like my account manager. He has these same values. It means something different to him. It means, yeah. did you follow up with a complaint? How did you act? Did you lead your team? Did you deal with a personal issue? Did you handle this or that? Right. So like we're a family here, you know, and you can say that, but I know the things about my team. We have an open door. If they need a day off, they have a day off. I have a lot of female staff. They have children. I'm blessed to have them as employees. If they need a day off for their child or a doctor's appointment, cool, take it off because they perform amazing for us in the field. They do everything. I mean, my team, it's crazy. I get tons of, I go on social media and there's videos of our company with them doing their little, their stuff. And I'm sure it's on TikTok and it's on everywhere, but it's great. And it's amazing. And I don't, you know, I don't tell them to do it or not do it. They just do it on their own. And it's great to see them all excited and happy. And, you know, things happen and we do photo shoots with them. You know, we do the industry collective, right? So that's really important with Jamie and them. And I do, you know, with Mike Haynes from Loving and, you know, we're part of that, that stuff. So we do, I don't mean, there's things, you know, we just took all the trucks out to a, big place and they took a bunch of photos and you know and once a year we'll get together and i'll take pictures of all of them and then so that they can send them home do whatever they want with them with a real picture not an iphone out of this so it's it's kind of neat you know to do those little things i think it yeah. means a lot and it kind of lives by values and you know you just kind of move forward jay you know i think it's just important you, i have to live these values in my position within the company for me to go to them and have them oh you know and, and also, guys, you also got to overlook some of the small things, right? You can't constantly yeah. beat them up. Like, if you are worried about your trailer being dirty every day, I don't know that that's something you should worry about. Like, I want my trucks clean and neat, and we do that. But if my guys are killing it in the day, and I go pull up in the truck, and the trailer's not in perfect shape, I'm not upset. Because I know that it's still arranged, the equipment's still going, but the guys are out just hustling, yeah. smiling, working. You know, I pick my battles. Yeah, I think there is a balance there between like, you know, 
if it looks like it hasn't been washed in six months, that's different than if it looks like it hasn't been washed in six days, right? Like to a customer, right. to, to the yeah. to the homeowners, right? Um, so what do you use right. these core values for? In like, it sounds to me like I've got some ideas on how you could be using these, like, but I mean, you know, recruiting, internal communication, how you interact with your customers, do they inform business decisions? I mean, what what do you use the core values for? Oh, absolutely. So the first thing is we use it with all of the team um, when I when I interact interact with them, right? So we run about six, seven crews between tree care, trimming, and whatever, and maintenance services, right? And so I use it with them individually. We use it group. We use it as a group. I also highlight it on my social media. You know, I go through phases with social media, got to be honest with you. Sometimes I'm really active on there. You know that. Sometimes I'm not as active on there. Um, the truth is I really need to be way more active on social media because I feel like I'm more on a personal mission, part of the core values to like really help the future generations of, you know, landscape companies and really entrepreneurs. Like I want people to start realizing, Jay, that like, you know, use your core values, how you lead your company, because I've made a lot of mistakes. I still think that people need to make mistakes. Okay? I don't think I have coaching. Right. I have consultants. I have help. But I make mistakes every day. I learn from my mistakes. It doesn't, you know, you have to have mistakes. I have to live them, you know, so that way I can, you know, adjust and analyze and figure out how to move forward. And you can do that with your core values. Like sometimes, you know, let's say I have a, let's use a field, somebody working in the field. The best way to say, to use this type of stuff is you go out there and they're running, say, a string trimmer, right? And then you see palm fronds in, in our area, palm fronds are laying on the ground because they fall daily. Right. And they don't pick them up and they don't bring them to the curb so that our truck can go and round at the end of the day and pick it up. Okay. So there's a couple things in that, in that little scenario. The first is we can explain to the teammate, hey, look. You know, the truth is you're the first to see it. You need to get it. Don't rely on the next person to pick it up. Okay. Cause one of our values is we refuse to be average. An average person is going to walk over that palm frond, not pick it up, not drag it to the front. Okay. That's the first thing. The second thing is we can use it with our core values, with our customers, our clients. I don't have customers. I call them clients. Okay. All mm -hmm. I build relationships with all of my communities and property managers and everybody we do business with, we have relationships with them. We do not have transactional business. Um, so, you know, then I can use it with them to say, hey, one of our values is we refuse to be average. So we're not going to take that debris and throw it behind a bush and wait for the detail crew to come and pick it up in 30 days when they come through and do their trimming. The mow crew is going to grab that, drag it to the front. And at the end of their service, they're going to come through and pick it all up. Right. So now I just use that value to explain to my client what we're going to do, where's the company values, my team understands it, the managers can do that, and people, our own team can self-filter through these things. I mean, it's amazing the stuff that comes into my office, right? Lowest entry-level employee will walk in with a problem and point to a value, Jay, and say, this amazing. particular person, right, is left trash or something. They don't really want to tell on them. What they're trying to do is make you aware, Jay. They want yeah. you to make you aware that we need to be, you know, observe this particular individual and maybe their actions, especially if they're a new hire, especially if they're a new hire and they haven't quite gathered up. Um, one more thing we should touch on. Well, go ahead, Jay. No, I was just gonna say, I love that. I love that your team is like kind of self-policing because I think what happens there is people that are not a good cultural fit become uncomfortable. 
right? Like people that aren't willing to embrace those values kind of naturally become uncomfortable and it saves you a lot of headache down the road because they eventually leave on their own. Yeah. We have a lot of that. We have a lot of two week employees and I don't call that in turnover. It's not a turnover to me. It's because what we also do is we put almost, I would say 90% of new, new hires, regardless of skill will go on, you know, one of three crews day one hour one and they're with really strong leaders who are have no problem voicing their opinion and not negatively but they do not sugarcoat things and so it's nice that they that they're that way it's not rude or mean but it is very hey you either you either can do it or you can't you know and if 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 you don't have the skill level that's fine we don't we can train for all of that what right. we look for is aptitude attitude ability workmanship are you hiding you know what i mean what are you doing out in the field that's you know are you know are you following along are you taking instructions and 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 are you do you have that genuine thirst to get better if you don't then we need to know that right out of the gate so that we can just cut you know part ways and be done with it yeah, I love that. And I want to circle back because you mentioned something in this in this conversation here to this point, and it's actually one of your other, uh, you know, common threads, which you talked about investing in coaching. Um, I think this is a really overlooked point. We don't I don't, I don't think I've ever interviewed a guest that talked about it, uh, maybe in previous seasons before I took over. But um, why coaching for those listening and have never considered coaching? Why should they invest in themselves in this way? Oh man, you, it's life changing day. It is life changing. You get yourself. I mean, so we got to talk about coaching in the, in, the, in a couple forms, right? A couple levels. So you can get yourself into group coaching. Okay. Um, um, mastermind level stuff. Some of it can be done for free. Truthfully, there's a lot of groups, you know, really, if you look at it, um, you know, with today's social media, how many of these groups, right, are on like Facebook? Let's just use Facebook as an example, because I don't think the other platforms really have that, right? So you could join a group. I mean, I could name a bunch. I don't really want to yeah. do it's not about names. It's just about you could join a group of like minded individuals. Okay. And I say like minded, right? Not industry like. I personally like to be around a lot of other people in other industries. Um, I love my green industry brothers and sisters, but I yeah. honestly like to be in other groups with other industries because it really opens up my eyes to a lot of other places. So that's like level one, right? Then level two would probably be group coaching paid of some form. Okay. Um, you know, we could talk money. I would say that you're probably looking anywhere from 600 to maybe $1,500 a month. For depending on the tie size of the group, you can get into like a pod form, right? Where you could go. So, I mean, there's other industry guys. I mean, you know, there's one yeah. in Atlanta, you know, Tony, he does a lot of stuff, you know, and he, you can get in his group. It's not super expensive. The guy, Tony Bass, he'll, he'll feed you a lot of information. I'm mm-hmm. still a member of his group. I've been with him for years. Um, but I think for me personally, I started to really get into the mindset, personal coaching, um, where now, you know, um, you know, I'm not afraid to say this, but I spend a lot of money every month, okay, on myself as being the CEO and the leader, right? So I go and I have two private sessions every month with the coach that we work on the stuff that Scott needs to work on, right? Like, how do I, 
get better, right? So we kind of, Jay, you and I are both similar in a health journey. And it's important with coaching is that I have a day, right? Like I have a day set already that I consider a win, right? So it's up before the sun, you know, I'm currently on 75 hard, if you know what that program is. So it means that I have two workouts a day, I drink a gallon of water, I read 10 pages of a book, I don't Mm. drink, I stay on a, I no cheat meals, and I stay on some sort of diet plan for 75 days. Okay, that stuff is mind changing, right? Because what it does is, it's not a fitness regime. Everyone looks at those programs, go, oh, you're going to lose weight. Yeah, that's a byproduct. What it is when you you take a picture of yourself every day as well, you see what you look on day one and what you look on day 75. Yes, your body changes. You know what changes? Your eyes, your mind. You look and feel completely different, right? You're super strong. Um, So with coaching, back to that kind of with the coaching is that when you have someone who pours their love and time and effort into you, right, and can fast track you to the next step, right? I grew up playing athletics. I played baseball. So having coaches in my life was great. Some were good, some Mm. were bad, some were hard on me. The ones that were the hardest on me are the ones I remember. Okay. And the reality is, is that they pushed me to the next level. So I would say anyone out there listening, if you are anywhere in your life and you don't feel that you are hitting the next gear or you're ready to hit the next gear, find yourself a personal coach or a group. Um, Later on, you can hit me up and the DMs will give my information. I can lead you in some directions, you know, of where to go and where to look. But but what you have to, you have to realize, get the cost of it out of your mind. Everybody gets services like this. The first thing they think of is how are they going to pay for it? Instead of what kind of benefits are you going to get? You know, I've grown our company a million dollars a year in a year and I've done less work. Mm. I've, my guys are performing better, you know? So I think, I don't think I know coaching works, but you got to find the right one. You can't look at it from money. And I, and there's look, there's great ones within our industry, right? There's Marty Runder's program grow. Marty's a great guy, man. His, his stuff's great. There's mm-hmm. Jeffrey Scott. Another one. He's been on your podcasts or on the podcast. Another yep. great you know, Jeff, all those guys, they all have groups and places you can go and they work a lot on your mindset too, you know, and, and they can help you really. I mean, they can do multiple things. They can help you with your industry. They can help with your mind, right? They can do a lot. I prefer a coach outside of my industry, but then I have another industry type um, consulting firm that works with me that helps me build systems and processes on the backside. They're not really for my mindset, even though we work on that a little bit too, but the personal side really just pushes you next level. What do you need to work on? Look back. You know what I'm saying? Jay, there's a lot to that. It's all up here. Yeah. And we will, um, as Scott mentioned, we'll make sure that there's uh, time at the end. If you just stick around to the end of the podcast or check the show notes, there is some contact information for Scott there. Um, so how did you go about selecting a coach or maybe you have different coaches for different areas. Like maybe there's somebody that works in your financials, your marketing, your sales, your production, like you mentioned, whatever. Um, how do you go about deciding on that? Yeah. So that's really important. So um, I've had many coaches, um, you know, um, I'm probably on my, I don't know, maybe sixth or seventh coach at this point. Uh, um, because sometimes you'll start with a coach and they might be good. They might be bad. They can only take you so far. Right. 
Um, I personally think it depends what you need to work on, right? So if you have a smaller business, right, maybe sub $1 million and you need to pivot and you need to figure out like where your next five moves are, then maybe you should go more industry consultant type or more of a group type and then get your feet wet in a paid group, right? And the reason for that is that you'll start to understand the whole idea of coaching. You'll decide if you're coachable, right? Because what happens is when you go to these meetings and you're in this stuff, you got to like shut your mouth, open up your ears and do the damn work. You know, what happens is a lot of people go to coaching. They know everything. They think they can do everything and they don't listen to what they're being told um, that will help their business. Right. And sometimes it's stuff that you don't think is important, but the reality is it is, you know what I mean? For me personally, what I've learned is I have to take care of myself, right? I have to take care of myself first. I have to be a good leader. I have to do a lot of things to be the leader. If I want my team to look up to me, then I have to set the standard. Okay. And I can't come to them and get on them about whatever values or whatever they're not doing if they don't see me doing it. Okay. And guys, that doesn't mean you got to be at the shop the six o'clock in the morning and then close to turn off the lights at the end of the day. They don't want that. What they want is you to be the cheerleader, moral support. They want you to have your back. Your coach will teach you that subject. They'll teach you that like, Hey, You know, your front line is the most important thing, not your client, okay? The reason you have a business is to build relationships, to build up teammates. It's not to make money. Everyone thinks they have a business. The first thing is, oh, it's to make money. It's not about money. Money is the byproduct of having a team, investing in your people, taking care of your clients, building your relationships, right? That's how you build a business and build wealth. It's not about making money. You know, money will come as the byproduct of you putting in all of your efforts. I love that. And, and we will circle into the front line where you gave me a nice segue there, but I want to yeah. stick um, with this, this point for just a minute. Um, you also talked about a winning mindset. Can you just define what you mean by that for our listeners? Yeah. So you have to be, you know, you have to be in a, in a, in a mindset at all the time that you know what winning looks like. Your team knows what winning looks like. You have, have to be positive you can't have scarcity mindset you know you have to have faith you know a saying i have up on my board here is i have faith over fear right and my Mm -hmm. word for 2023 is focus right so like i have to focus in on some things and some objectives you know i look at numbers simple things of what we want to hit up here for growth and revenue and all that stuff but ultimately i know that those numbers can only be met if i believe that they can be okay i'm the leader i have to steer the ship Mentally, I have to be prepared. That's why I read. That's why I take care of myself. That's why I drink a gallon of water every day. I have to be the best version of me every day, right? And if I have that positive, you know, mindset all the time, and I don't think in scarcity, I know that I can pass that on to my guys and I believe it. I sit around and I visualize what my company, our company will look like. You know, what? where are we going to be? I'm excited to walk to the shop and see a hundred people there. You know, what I don't need to see is a hundred million dollars in revenue and me making a hundred million dollars. Like that's not for me, that's not for me is to see, 
if I had a hundred employees here and their families are here and we're all being taken care of and the company's functioning and yes, I'm going to make a nice income and I'm going to have all the things that are important in my life, right? Taking care of my family, doing all these things. But I realized, you know, probably four or five years ago, as I've moved to different kind of coaching, that it's really about, you know, can you build up the people, right? And can you, can you get the people to come along with you? And, and, you know, so I, you know, if you look at my, uh, my LinkedIn, right, I says, I'm a leader of, you know, I, I lead a, um, a group of warriors, basically, to battle every day. Right. And I call my guys, you know, they're warriors. They go out and we, we fight the elements. We fight the heat, the bugs, the people, all this stuff every day, you know, as an army of success. Right. And I believe that. And I teach them that, you know, and when I walk around positive and if you have a breakdown and you're positive about it, you have to stay in that way. Look, you know, trucks break, equipment breaks. People don't show up for work. People have personal problems. I have to stay positive in all of those aspects. Is it easy? No. Is there days it beats me down? Yes. Is there things that I have to work on? Of course. You know, one of the things for me, Jay, is, is I don't take criticism well. So I'm working on it. You know, it's something I'm working on. You know, it's just, it is what it is. And I know that we will overcome it and we're getting better at it every day, but it's something that I personally have to work on. Yeah. Now, how has this shift in perspective changed your business? Have you seen like noticeable changes when you began to shift to this mindset? And I love that hey, you phrase that winning mindset is like defining what a win looks like for your team and, and kind of those things. But um, how has that change in perspective um, impacted your business? Oh my gosh. Yeah. I mean, we have just grown, um, you know, I'm, I'm up hundred percent in a lot of line items with a lot less stress, you know, income things. Um, and it's really just because the belief in the, in the team, right? Because I, I, when I believe in the company and I, I believe in my abilities, then I know that I can pass that on to the team. And it all kind of stems from stop micromanaging, stop beating them up, stop, you know, realizing that everyone's going to make mistakes. That's another thing, you know, like I bring up these things at my meetings when I go and meet with clients, I talk to them about we're gonna, we're not we're not perfect we're a flawed company we're gonna make mistakes it's how we how, it's how we react to those mistakes it's how yeah. do we resolve those issues right those are all part of the values but also sometimes the client has to understand that you know you have expectations that are way beyond what any service provider can do and another thing Jay with that is you have to be willing to walk away. You know, yep. um, we sign on average about a new community a month, somewhere around there. Okay. You know, give or take its size. And we also are, are put ourselves in a position that if it doesn't work in the first 30, I'm going to tell you straight away, if we have a bad relationship right out of the gate in the first 30 days, we usually have an uncomfortable conversation that usually involves us saying, here's your 30 day notice. We're going to walk away. Our team does not need to be put in this situation because it's not as, again, defining what a win is, right, Jay? We can't win here for you, unfortunately. So we're going to go ahead and move on to another client who is more than happy to have our services. And that builds up a lot of character. Yeah, I just want to drill down on that for a second because I think this is something a lot of listeners probably struggle with is like, firing a client when to fire. this wasn't part of my original question so this is kind of off script a little bit but 
Um, I guess like being willing to walk away and like at what point, you know, what, what qualifies like, Hey, we're going to fire this client. Like what, what are some triggers in your mind? Like, okay, these are people we're not going to deal with anymore. Okay. Yeah. Super. Okay. So we, let's use an example. We just had one, right? So um, in January, we started a new community and, you know, just for argument's sake, since people can kind of get an idea, this account was probably um, 60 some thousand a year maintenance account. Okay. So we start this account. It's not in good shape. Why do you think they're looking for better contractors? You know, because it's not. So we have the meeting, we kind of lay out, no, we don't kind of, we lay out the process and we explain to them in a meeting that, you know, it's going to take time to get your property up to even, not even our standards, just to industry standards. Okay. So that's time. So the conversation is, look, for the next 90 days, basically, we don't need any comments from you. Okay. You can, you can have some input. Yes. Okay. But we're not going to really deal with complaints. We're not going to deal because you have to go through the process because you're switching from a company that doesn't operate in a system mentality. We, We have systems, everything, all my crews run on a system. Okay. Like they know how to mow and edge and we they do it the same way every day. Okay. So whether it's this community or the next, it's done the same way every time it's fast and sufficient. Okay. So they know what that is. And if you, you know, we also, we have a, we have a process like, you know, it can be called the hard start. It can be called, you know, many terms where we, we send in more guys than we need. Okay. So day one, hour one, we'll go there with the Mo crew, maybe a detail crew or two, depending on the size of the project. Um, and we'll just really dial it in and we'll follow up if we do the irrigation, we'll follow up with maintenance for that. You know, these kind of things, if we've sold them tree care, we might not be doing that day one, hour one, only because, um, you know, scheduling or whatever. All right. right but right. the thing is, is that they get this instant impression of, wow, look at this company it came in and cut the grass. They see our process. So, and so, so, but then usually what happens on a property like that is you get a lot of compliments, but you'll always have a couple people, Jay, that, you know, they have the bar. And I don't really want to deal with that. Okay. So <laughs> I have kind of a fast rule. Like if you call me and complain about something that's really not relevant, then, you know, I'm going to probably give you a 30 day notice, like really quick. Cause I can see where it's going to go 30 plus years in the industry. So things you want to look for. All right. So let's say you have a meeting with them. They discuss like where your teams are going to take lunch. That's an important thing. Okay. So when you run larger crews, if you have say a six man crew, which we do, and you send three teams to a project, I can do math. You can do math. That's 18 people, right? Sitting at a, a project, kicking butt and taking names. When they take lunch, it's going to look like a small army. Okay. So Sometimes you get complaints. Well, why are they, why are they all eating right there? Um, this particular one client called and said, why are they on their phone? Because <laughs> they're it's on a lunch break. Lunch what do you do? That's right. 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 
Yeah, you know what I mean? Why are they walking around? Um, why does one person have their shirt untucked? It's just, it was complete ridiculousness. That's so, crazy. you know, I basically, and then, you know, he, he was not nice. He didn't speak to me in a professional manner. And, um, you know, he like blew my phone up. And, you know, I just called him back and I said, listen, um, you know, I'm not, we're not going to be spoken to this way. We're not going to deal with this. Um, the size of your account is irrelevant to me. Um, how my team is treated is the most important part of this yes, whole process. Come on, Scott. And yeah, and what we're going to do is I'm going to be set forwarding a, an email within the next hour to the management company and to your board members with a 30 day notice attached. So look out for it. And then have a nice day. And I hung up. Okay. Cause I'm, I don't need rebuttal from him. There's no right. rebuttal at this point. He gets that. They get that. They flip out. Okay. Um, I'm not speaking to the person who called me because I refuse to have a conversation with someone who's irrational. Okay. We cannot have a professional man to man discussion that stops for me. So, what we what ended up happening in this case is they decided another older gentleman board member just called me and said, listen, you know, your company is amazing and your team is amazing. And we would really like for you to stay. I would like to have a lunch with you, whatever I could do to have a meeting with you. Could we discuss this on site, off site, privately? Um, you know, so I went and met him. You know, he ended up confiding in me, telling me that he was not a supporter of my company. He actually was anti-hiring for Evergreen to do the maintenance on this property. He liked the previous vendor, okay? And proceeded to basically sit in the meeting and tell me he's never seen an operation run as clean and as efficient as, as, as we have. He was a past business owner. Um, he was fascinated with the way our teams work. He couldn't understand any of the complaints and asked if I would give them another shot if, if in the event this third part, this person that was spoken to me, him and his wife, we're not in the we're not in the um, picture, and that you know how would that go? So I told them that we would think about it, and I would have to talk to my team about it truthfully because I yeah. don't always make these decisions I love myself. It. So what we did is we got our yeah right, Jay. So we got our team leads together. These are crew leaders, okay, guys. These are crew leaders. These are not managers. None of this nonsense, right? I got my team leads, the guys that work there. The guys are going to have to deal with this crazy person. Right. Yeah. Right. Right. And I said, what do you guys want to do? Every one of them said, I think we should stay. The homeowners were fine. And if this gentleman, if we can control him and his wife, not control, just we don't have to deal with that, then we're fine and we'll stay. Okay. So fast forward to today. um, We have had no issues. The gentleman who was who actually hired us, who ended up being the not so pleasant one has sent me emails, has requested extra work in a cordial way. And it's going back and forth that way because now we have mutual respect. So guys, what I need you to understand is you have to have respect with your clients. You have to have some control over the relationship with your clients. You cannot be the whipping post and the blame person for everything you have to stand up for. Jay. You have to. And I think that that dovetails real nicely with what you were talking about. Your third point was support your frontline team, no matter what. Um, I love it. And I think we've just gotten an example of it here, but when you talk about supporting your frontline team, what does that mean to you? 
Well, I mean, the biggest thing is, is that whatever they need, right? So they can come to me for whatever, whatever they need, right? And that, and that can be personal too, right? I mean, my team comes to me for personal stuff, right? It's not always money. It's not always things. Maybe it's, yep. you know, they're struggling because they're a new father or they're a new mother, okay? Or they're moving from a house to another house and they need some uh, some freedom, right, of, of work right. days on and off. And they, and they need me to know, hey, I'm not going to be here on this day and this day. And there's a process for that within the company, but they feel compelled to really have a conversation with you, Jay. It's not just I'm not going to show up. You know, I have this going on, that going on. You know, um, again, it's down to equipment and all this kind of stuff. But like, you know, you you have to give them what they're asking for. Like a lot of times I just drive around and when I'm in the field, I'm not really looking at work. I'll stop and I'll talk to my team and it's like, hey, what do you guys need? You know, can I help you with anything? And sometimes it's like, oh, the uniforms aren't, you know, something's wrong with their uniform because we have a uniform service and there may right, be a problem right. with that or you know, um, we need a safety cone or we don't need anything or a cooler or something, you know, sometimes it's nothing. Sometimes it's, you know, it's really reassurance for them or I'll stop and say, listen, you know, the truck looks great. The truck, the trailer looks great. Thanks for keeping everything nice and neat. You know, I notice, you know, these kind of things, hand out Gatorades when it's a thousand degrees in the shade, you know, you don't have to like be crazy. It's just, you got to acknowledge them, be nice you know, and the biggest thing for support is I take a lot of them to meetings with me when we have homeowner issues. Yeah. And what I what we'll do in that case is, you know, we'll kind of role play it through it so that they can understand. Because Jay, sometimes you're dealing with someone who's irrational and there is no pleasing them. There is no fixing the problem. Uh, again, my parents live in Boca, dude, in a homeowners association. You don't have to tell me this. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So you know, we have a saying, it's called the five percenters. It's not great, but it means that basically 5% of the community is not going to like you right, or your company. And, but they're not going to like any company. So you have to work through those things, right? Doesn't mean that you don't service them. You might service them less. You may not um, do all of their work orders. You have to have a system in place too for that, right? Like, you know, how do you how do you know what house to trim, what house not to trim? These are all values. How do you know what house to spray, what house not to spray? So as the guys and girls out there that are thinking about like what lane they want to be in, because I kind of wanted to touch on this a little with the mindset stuff, Jay, is that I feel like a lot of companies, they're either have their foot, they have their feet in too many markets. They got to decide, right? Like if you are, I don't care the size, the money doesn't really matter, the revenue size. If you're doing 80% residential and 20% commercial, you need to figure out what you want to do. If you're doing 50-50, you need to figure out what you want to do, especially if you are smaller in size, okay? If you are some of these, there's a lot of huge residential and commercial landscape companies. Many of them are wonderful operators. I know many of them. So I'm not bunching anybody into this this, this space. What I'm saying is for me personally, I feel like, and I say this to my younger landscape companies, people growing up, like you have to decide what you want to do. If you want to do residential work, great. Be the best that you can at residential work, train your team up, pay them, teach them and never let them leave. The minute that they leave is the minute your company goes downhill, but you got to overpay, overtrain, sell your clients, be the be the Swiss knife of landscaping for residential, you can make a lot of money. 
If you're going to be into the commercial side, then you have to train for speed, efficiency, um, processes, and then you have to find back to the values. It all circles back to that. You have to find people that thrive in that environment. Okay. Yep. My team is not, are not private gardeners. Okay. Yep. They're not trained to be private gardeners. They don't know from private gardening. They know speed, efficiency, and how to trim stuff level, square, raked up, blown off, weeds sprayed, weeds pulled, palm fronds lifted, trees trimmed, move on down the road. They're not going to be, they know how to hand trim, they know what to trim, what not to trim, but they're not your private gardener that's going to stay out there all day, you know, as well with HOAs in Boca, you know, it's, they're very, you know, and, and you have to know. So I, if I was a young landscape company or even an old one, and I wasn't sure which way to go, I would have an honest conversation with my coach, with my somebody in my family and figure out what I want to do. And I would pick that lane and I would stay in that lane and I would excel at that until I have all the systems, all the processes, everything dialed in, and then I would grow from there. And I wouldn't deviate. I love it. Um, I want to ask, because I think there's some people that listen to this, and they're probably, I've talked to a lot of business owners, even outside the podcast, right? Talked to a lot of business owners. And I think there are some business owners like yourself, it sounds like, that, you know, the, my my reason for being in business is my people. Like I want to, I want to, I want to create jobs. I want to improve families in my community. I want to do that stuff. There are some people that are listening to this though. Um, and, and, and who run businesses in our industry basically because they're unemployable somewhere else. Right. Like <laughs> they're just, right. they're, they're, their mindset's not in a place where that. So I know there's people listening to this that, that hear support and they think I've got to become a doormat. Or they hear support and they think they've got to micromanage. So can you just touch on like kind of the the difference there as we're wrapping up the show? Well, yeah, I mean, you know, first off, if you're if you're an owner operator and you're working in the field, you got to get out of the field like immediately because you can you will never have the type of success you want. If that's okay, look, I mean, you, if you're going to just be a crew lead and run a crew, then you just have a job. Straight, plain and simple. Read the E-Myth, greatest book ever written, uh, or one of the greatest books ever written um, for systems and processes and getting your mindset right for like the starter kit one. You know, read that. You know, um, but the thing is, is that you, if, if you want to grow a business and you want to get to a place where you are actually impacting people and changing lives, then you got to get out of the truck. Right. Once you get out of the truck, then you got to build and grow to the next level. Okay. Along the way, learning the skills to be a manager, to be a client, to be a salesman, to be all those things. Right. Because what happens, Jay, is that they just get bogged down in the minutia and they want to micromanage and they want to do this and do that, do this. And you got to build up a system of things of like, I'm not going to run over to Mrs. Smith's house every time she calls because the guys missed a weed. No, what I'm going to do is. I'm going to create a work order system. Next time when the guys come, they're going to take care of that weed. If they don't take care of that weed, then the conversation for you is, I'm sorry, Mrs. Smith. I'm really training on this. Please have patience. Let's work through this process. I know that the guys I have are solid, great people, and we're going to get this, right? You know, unemployable, that is a mental mindset, Jay, that a lot of people have. You know, I think that they need to go out and read some books 
you know, maybe pick up some Ryan Stuman stuff from Apex. You know, he's got, a, you know, he doesn't have the greatest background. The guy's, you know, done amazing things. He's a little rough around the edges, you know, so it's, he's not, he's, he's not reading and listening for everybody, but, um, you know, I think it doesn't matter what you did in your past, you can have a great future, you know, but you got to lead with your own values, right, Jay? So like, if you have a bad past and you think that that's your mindset that like, Hey, I was an alcoholic and I'm always going to be one, even though I haven't had a drink in 20 years, you got to get over that, man. You know, I'll give you an exercise. that's really good for everybody listening that has those kind of things is I think you should sit down and you should write a letter to yourself of every single thing you ever did that was bad and terrible that you don't want to tell anybody. And when you write that letter, you better be crying at the end of it. Okay. Anything that you've ever done, this is nothing that anyone's going to see. You need to do it in your private privacy. When you're done with that letter, you need to ball it up. You need to burn it. You need to never think about those thoughts ever again, because that was the old you. That was the old you. You need to build Mm -hmm. a new version. You got to be the next version of you. If you don't work out today, you need to start working out tomorrow. That doesn't mean go to the gym for three hours. Maybe it's a 10 minute walk down the street. Then next week, it's a 12-minute walk down the street. And you build on that every day. Read some books. Find some books. Read them. Be 10 pages a day. Pour into yourself. Have faith. You know, figure out what what drives you. It's not money. It's not money, Jay. It's not money. It's leadership. It's, you know, maybe you want to do things to help some group. I don't, you know, I don't know. know, I, I love athletics i've coached in them i think when i get a little older not older but retirement more of that i'll probably get back into youth coaching and athletics you know that kind of stuff give up my time there help young entrepreneurs find things you want to do you know that you can do there's 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 tons of things you can do just outside of our world that will really really help you and i think that's the mindset as i think a lot of people do have that mindset of like well i I had this problem or I didn't pay my bills or I'm divorced or I had bankruptcy or I had this problem or I was an alcoholic, whatever it might be. And they think that that's how, who they are. That's not who they are. That's who they were. That's right. right? Who they are is, is, is who they can be in the future. Be the best father, be the best human, you know, live every day to the best of your ability. So when you close your eyes, I won today, whatever that is, figure out what your, what a win is for you. You know, everybody has a different one. Yeah, I love that. I love that so much. Scott, this has been just a tremendous episode. Thank you so much for making the time today. If folks want to connect with you, they want to follow you, um, you know, how how would they go about uh, reaching out to you? Yeah, so you can find me with my name, you know, Scott Kalinius at Instagram. I'm on Facebook too and LinkedIn. You know, if you need some help or you're looking for some groups or something like that, you know, find me on Instagram, get me a DM. I uh, might not reply to you within a minute, but I will. And, you know, I can help you and point you in some directions and, you know, might be something good for everybody to think about, especially the coaching. I really think everybody should get in some groups. You know, you can find them on Facebook too. If you're a contractor, just look for contractor groups and join a couple, you know, stick your neck in there, say, put a couple posts up, introduce yourself and see what's in there. You, you learn a lot from people in other industries, Jay. You know what I mean? You don't have to be in the landscaping world. You know, a contractor is a contractor. They're all dealing with customers and clients. Yep. And they can they can help you a lot. And it's been a blast, Jay. I really appreciate being on here. And, uh, you know, just looking forward, man, to a great 2023 and 24 and 25. And let's let's go. 
That's it, man. That's it. Thank you so much. Uh, I will have, uh, you can check out the show notes for Scott's contact information. You can reach out to him that way. But again, just thanks so much. This has been a lot of fun. Wait, before you go, did you know that this podcast is only one of the free resources we've created just for you? It's true. We've got guides outlining the best practices for the green industry, including how to market your business, streamline your sales process, and recruit and retain the best talent in your market. Plus, there are guides about what reports you should be monitoring and best practices for change management. You can find these at singleops.com under the resources tab. You can also check out blogs with topics like turning invasive pests into a recurring revenue stream, how to correctly price your services, how to properly approach your customers with a price increase, how to persuade your boss to get the tools you need, and of course, best practices for switching your software. There's no sales pitch with that one. It's just a list of items to consider. You can find those articles and more at singleops.com backslash blog. Use the search bar if you're looking for something specific. We're here to help. And now we're going to let you get back to that sweet outro music.